Okay, thank you for that wonderful singing. And good morning to everyone here and to everyone on Facebook or wherever it is that we're broadcasting to. Um, thank you so much for all your prayers and love and fellowship for Lois and I and for your continued prayers for the, um, the work in Papua New Guinea. Um, it was late last night that I was actually sharing um, the meeting in Papua New Guinea and uh, out in the bush in it's the second time now we've been able to uh, share the Word of God. Um, they went down to a local aid post and bought a little boombox speaker, as they call it there, and hooked it up to a phone that our coworker left behind with them. And um, they hooked it up via Bluetooth, a Bluetooth. And uh, so I was able to preach and take the whole message. This is the second time now. And to encourage them uh, to be a testimony in their neighborhood there. So thanks again for praying for us. Uh, let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the opportunity and the privileges for us to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that we have the privilege to take the Word of God wherever we go. And I just pray, Father, in this morning that, uh, Father, that you would be glorified, your Son would be lifted up. And we thank you this morning for your Spirit uh, who works in our hearts and directs and guides us. Father, help us to be obedient this week to your Word. And Father, we thank you that we hold the Word of God in our hands. We pray this morning for uh, the many missionaries who are translating your words in different languages around the world. Father, help them as they desire to give this precious Word to lost souls that they too might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this day, and we pray these things in your Son's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Should that be, should the lights go down up here, or that looks pretty? Um, yeah, sorry, I okay, okay, okay. There, that helps a little. Okay, a simple message this morning, looking at a word this week, actually a few words um, in the past little while, and uh, one of the words that we looked at this morning, or that I've looked at anyway, is the word ransom. And I want to look this morning at the worthiness and the power of Christ to be a ransom. Um, before I begin, I just want to share a little um, story. Um, a co-worker, a Bible translation consultant in Papua New Guinea, sent me an email recently, and uh, he said, Luke, he said, I'd like you to meet with somebody. And uh, I thought, does he know I'm home? And he says, um, no, there's a guy that's come over to Papua New Guinea who is a Jew, a secular Jew, and um, he's um, trying to save languages. And uh, there's over 800 languages in Papua New Guinea. And so uh, that's part of his work. And uh, anyway, he's been over there, and on, I think, his third trip over, he um, was coming up and down this river, and he would go by a missionary who was, I believe, a pioneer Bible translator. And so... She would, every once in a while, say something about the Bible, and um, it would kind of intrigue him. And then one day she stopped him, and uh, he would always um, stop by to see if she needed anything, because they were way out in the bush up this river. And so she said, come on in. And um, so she prayed for him and, uh, and shared the gospel with him. And so this consultant asked me to meet with him because he's from Indiana, but he's up here going to school, and uh, here, I think in Halifax, maybe at Dalhousie, 
And uh, so we went together and uh, met at Marco Polo and sat down together, and he shared his testimony. And when he was sharing that story about her uh, giving the gospel to him, he was crying the whole time. And, uh, and when he finished, he said this to me. He said, and he's done a lot of studying in the six months that he's been saved, or maybe a little more. And he said this to me. He said, he said I just can't get over the power of the amazing testimony that Christianity has. It's a powerful testimony. And I hope you guys know that this morning, that the testimony that you have is Christ. He's the Savior of the world. And as we look through the Word of God, He's just such an amazing, powerful, almighty, all-knowing God that we serve. And uh, so this morning, we want to look at this little word, and hopefully we'll see a little bit about the um, power and the worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. i got to keep two of them going here. Okay, I'm going to push my computer and forget the other one. So just wave your hand if I don't keep rolling along at the same time. First uh, Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And there are those people in this world who believe that only certain people are going to be the elect. But this, um, this here... Or believe that the message or salvation was only for a certain few people, but this, um, when I look in the dictionary, the word P-A-S is the word that is a primary word and means all, it means any, it means every, it means the whole, all of, it means everyone, the whosoever, the whole. Um, so it's a message for everybody. It's a message we can share with everybody and, and God can do the work, God's Holy Spirit can do the work in the individual life and sometimes I've preached a message in Papua New Guinea, and one has received the message of salvation while another has rejected. But we preach that message not knowing who will come, but praying that many will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we get into the word ransom, look at this word redemption, which is the word lutero or something like that. It means to set free by payment of a price. And the price is... In these verses, 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So redemption is buying back something from another. Now, there's a story about a lawyer, and I believe he's from here somewhere. I can't remember where he's from, but anyway... He bought a beautiful stereo system, and he paid around $8,000, probably 30 years ago or more, and he paid $8,000 and put this beautiful system in his home and just had a wonderful sound, and he loved it. And while he was gone one day, shortly after he had it, the thieves came through and took it all. And so within a short time, the thieves called him up and said to him, would you like to redeem it? And so he said, what's the ransom? And it was $4,000. So he paid half price again. He went and redeemed his sound system and got it put back into his home again. Many times when we're thinking about... Um, whoa, where are we going here? Here we go. When we think of uh, ransom, we often think about somebody being kidnapped. And um, many years ago, um, Charles Lindbergh... Uh, his son, Charles Lindbergh Jr., was um, kidnapped. And um, Charles Lindbergh was a great American hero who
who in 1927 first flew a solo flight from New York um, to Paris at the age of 25 years. And so uh, to avoid the news people, the news hounds, he um, bought a place in um, Hopewell, New Jersey, 390 acres to avoid all these people. And uh, one evening, um, his 20-month-old son, Charles Jr., was kidnapped at about 9 p.m. on March the 1st from his nursery. And uh, him and his wife were home, and the uh, nurse checked in on him at 8, and at 10 o'clock they noticed that he was gone. And so there was a note given of asking for $50,000 to uh, receive their child back. And so on March 16th, a baby sleeping suit was delivered as proof of having the child, which positively identified as belonging to the Lindberghs. And about 32 days later, um, April the 2nd, Charles Lindbergh was accompanied by another man who met the kidnapper in the cemetery and turned over $50,000 in gold certificates in exchange for a note saying where the baby was. I don't know if I would do that, but that's what happened. And then 73 days later, a man found the body badly mutilated and badly decomposed a few miles away and uh, by a truck driver, and obviously the child had been killed just um, within a short time of after he'd been kidnapped. So then the Federal Reserve Bank of New York discovered some of the um, certificates on May the 2nd, and then again in a gas station a few days later, and then they nabbed Bruno Richard Hauptman, and uh, he was um, found out to be the one who had kidnapped the child and murdered him, and he was executed in uh, New Jersey's electric chair and became known as the crime of the century, and the child was... um, course not returned and was um, a ransom was demanded a ransom was paid but the child was killed so a very sad story and uh, very different from the story we're going to look at today about the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the ransom for us again Matthew 20 28 says even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto sorry but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many So mankind, as we know, was living under Satan, sin and death, and was blind and not knowing that he needed a deliverer, yes, a ransom, someone who would be worthy to redeem him back to God. Man was lost, and he was not even looking for a savior, and he was happy to be under the one who kidnapped him, so to speak, from the Garden of Eden. We read this this morning, Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So as we know, through Adam, all men sin, but in Genesis 3.15, God promises hope. There's a promise of a coming deliverer. It would be the right person, somebody that would be the perfect person to make the payment for sin and meet the demands of a holy God. So this sin passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When I think of my granddaughter, she's getting a little older now, the, the youngest of ours. We have five granddaughters, and Sophia is the youngest, and she is several months old now, but I don't know whether she's sinned yet or not. She probably has. Maybe she gets cranky when she wants something. I don't know. But, you know, when she first went, um, came on the scene, uh, even now I don't think of her as somebody that's uh, 
you know, thinking about doing something sinful in her mind. But, um, but the Bible tells us that she was born a sinner. She was born into this world, and sin passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because she was born in Adam, that sin passes to all men. I was talking to a gentleman um, some time ago, and uh, I told him that he was a sinner. Well, when he thought of being a sinner, he was thinking of people who get drunk and stuff like that. I'm sure that's what he was thinking of. Uh, he was in his 90s, and he grabbed a hold of my shirt and pulled me towards him, and he said, I'm, I'm not a sinner. And uh, I'm sure that's what he was thinking of. But the Bible clearly states that all of us were born in sin. Just another story about... Um, this is not a very clear picture. I've got a lot better picture here. Um, but in 1193, the English King Richard I, also known as King Richard the... Anybody want to see? Lionheart, was returning from leading a crusade to the Holy Land. And as he returned through Europe, Leopold V captured him in Austria. And the Holy Ro- Roman Emperor demanded a ransom for Richard's release. The price was to be 150,000 marks, equal to three tons of silver. This was an enormous ransom demand, but the people of England so loved their king, they submitted to extra taxation, and many nobles donated their fortune for Richard's release. After many months, the money was raised, and King Richard turned to England. That's where we get the expression, a king's ransom. So a, a ransom price was demanded for Richard's redemption, the price was paid, and Richard was set free. Again, that's an example of redemption and ransom. But again, as we see, it's a little bit different when we look uh, at the Word of God. We'll see that in a minute. You probably can tell by my slides that um, I was kind of playing around with PowerPoint, and I'm putting different colors and different things up there. I hope you don't mind. Ephesians 2.11 says, Wherefore remember that ye being in past time Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ." So, when we think back about the day that we were unsaved, you are saved here today and on virtual, um, we were without hope and we were under Satan's control. And I hope that as you see that second word in the verse I just read, wherefore remember that ye being in time past, I hope that we can always remember that we were once lost. When we see the lost around us, that uh, we don't forget that as we go back into the early part of this chapter, that we were also children of wrath, not even thinking about God. God could not look upon one of us, even as nice as Eme is, we couldn't look at Eme and say, he will be our redeemer. Um, he couldn't look at any man that was born in sin. We are not acceptable to God that way. And you know, it's, um, we have many people who are meeting in church this morning, many churches across Canada, And um, they believe in their good works. They believe in what they're doing is going to redeem them. And yet God looks at us and he sees us that we are lost in our sin, that we're not acceptable. And it's man's pride that won't bring him to the Savior because he thinks that he's good enough. So I hope we don't forget 
the day that we were lost. I, was, I think I've shared this before here, but I was thinking this morning again of the Yorok Indians who are in California. And many years ago, um, well, yes, many, many years ago, before the missionary came there, for hundreds of years, these people sacrificed a deer, laid it up on, a, on an altar, um, slit the deer's throat, and let the blood pour out, and thought that that would be payment for sin. They even put their dentalian shells, which was their money, they put it on top of the altar, and they gave that to God, Wapakumu. And that's still the same name for their God today, Wapakumu. So they made these sacrifices for years and years, never knowing that the blood of animals can never pay for our sin. In Revelation 20:15 it says, "And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire." It's pretty straightforward. I love using this verse when I met before when I used to be at work. Um, I used to read it to guys and, and let them interpret it because they wouldn't trust me to interpret it. Very straightforward. You have to have your name in the book of life, which is an encouraging thing. I mean, if we don't come God's way, then the only alternative is to go to hell. But the encouraging thing is that there is a book and that we can have our names in the book of life. When we think of the situation that surrounds us today, we think of people who are in this whole COVID scenario. You basically usually have the people who are on the camp of get your needle as fast as you can. And um, I just heard recently of one guy was, um, uh, my son-in-law was telling me yesterday, he says, he said that he knows of a guy who was calling the doctor every day, every day, every day, when can I get my shot, when can I get my shot? And then there's the other side who are maybe living in a county where they're not even allowed, some of them are not allowed to go to their work or whatever, but they want to get to their work and they want to go back to work and... Um, I've just heard different stories. Some people, you, I live in apartments and people say things like, don't breathe in me, turn your head the other way. Don't come to our province and don't vacation here. Uh, everybody is, uh, not everybody, but there are many people out there who are living in fear. And as we sometimes walk through Shuby Park or wherever we go, we find people who are afraid. People are living in fear. And um, we can be their friend. We can ha- take that opportunity to be a friend and... Um, and talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ and tell them that the ransom has been paid, that the Lord Jesus Christ has paid our debt. Satan is busy today trying to keep people living in fear. Romans 5.8, we read that this morning. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God sees us held in captivity by sin, Satan, and death. Jesus comes and he dies on a cross and his blood shed and life poured out makes the payment. Is the payment made to Satan? No, the payment's not made to Satan. As would happen in a a situation with redemption and ransom with somebody being kidnapped. But the payment's made to God. Why? Because God is the true owner of mankind and God is the one who's been offended. God is the one who needs to be appeased. And so Christ becomes sin for us so that we might become righteous. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I don't know if you got that, but there's a lot in there. Just think that Christ, Christ's death wipes out death 
And if I repent and believe in him, I die a death, and Christ's life is now living within me, a new life within me. It's Christ's heartbeat that's actually beating within me. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So God redeems man back to himself by the blood of his son, our ransom, and he's the picture of the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice that could bring about your and my reconciliation. The moment Adam sinned, um, he was broken off from God. And I've been sharing with some people lately um, from the word about the fact that we couldn't make a way back to God. And one of the people at our Bible study said, but doesn't God even look a little bit at my good works? And uh, no, he doesn't. We're totally, as we heard this morning, totally unacceptable to God the way we are. And uh, the only way we can receive forgiveness of sin is because of what the Lord Jesus Christ done. And that's amazing grace. When I meet with my Brothers and sisters, where my dad fellowships in the Netherlands, there are some men who preach the word there. And when I meet them on a Sunday morning, they come over and shake my hand, and they don't say anything to me at first. They just go, Luke, it's all of God's grace. It's all grace. And I'm so thankful this morning of God's grace and for his grace. Genesis 22, 8, we know the story well. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb, for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Jesus, our deliverer, is the one pictured when Adam was about to kill Adam. Abraham was about to kill his son as a sacrifice. A spotless lamb, caught by its horn, took the place of Isaac. And Jesus Jesus is the one who is our ransom, the perfect sacrifice. He's the only one who could appease a holy, angry God. There's a tribe next to us, and um, yeah, they believe that, or they don't, not that they believe, but when they say that God is angry at us, and then he becomes merciful towards us, his anger comes from his belly, and God holds back that anger that's in his belly um, by mercy. And then they understand that that same belly gets opened up to see God's grace. And God's showing all his kindness to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this picture, we see here that Christ became our true sacrifice, our true substitute. So it's not any of our good works. That's a hard thing to deal with. It, there's, when, you, when you grow, when you go to church, I went to church for years every Sunday, and we read the Bible, um, oh, let me think now, we read the Bible three times a day, And we prayed seven times a day. I went to a church and I did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting totally in my good works. I was sitting beside a lady on the plane. And um, I got talking to her. And um, finally said to her, do you you go to church? And she said, yes, I'm a Catholic. I said, oh. I said, well, I want to ask you a question. Bible question. She said, oh, that's okay. I said, "Uh, what, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And she says, oh, well, you have to be good. You have to like other people, go to church, and, and things like that. And she said, and this is what she said next. She said, isn't that what everybody believes who goes to church? 
And uh, I said, well, I don't believe that. I said, I believe that it's about the Lord Jesus Christ and that he made a blood payment for my sin. And she goes, well, yeah, of course. But I said, well, that's not really what you said you were relying on. And many people aren't. They know that the Lord Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sin. And like I said this morning, there are many people meeting today in different ways um, through Zoom or maybe not through Zoom around the world, but they believe and strongly believe that their good works are going to get them to heaven. Revelation 5.11 says, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. We go back to John, and we think of this uh, phrase. God says, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Listen to him. When there is a ransom to be paid, you have to know what the value is. What has to be actually paid? The lawyer had to pay $4,000 to get his stereo back. Well, in this case, Jesus was the only one who could be the perfect ransom, and he totally satisfied the heart of God by paying with his life, by paying with blood. John 8, 29 says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. That's an amazing statement. I do always those things that please him. There's never a time in history in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see him ever doing anything that was sinful or wrong. Um, <clears throat> now, my, my brother, I'll say today, Steve LeBlanc, he won't mind you saying this, um, he rebuked me. I, I had a bunch of Mormons come into my house one day. My neighbor said to um, the Mormons who visited his home, he said, oh, Luke across the road, he likes to talk about Jesus. So anyway, um, a group of Mormons came over, an older man, a couple of younger guys. And... Um, so there's always a little bit of debate going, there, going back and forth, and um, they asked me why I would disagree about who Joseph Smith is and his position and what he does. And I said, well, because in your documents and covenants, it says this. It tells about who he is, and I said, you guys sing a song. And in the song it says, he's coming in the clouds, he's coming in his glory, he's coming for his saints, his loved ones, or whatever the song says. And the song's not about Jesus, it's about Joseph Smith. And I said, that's pretty much blasphemy. I said, there's no way that Joseph Smith is coming. He's a man of sin. So one of the young men said, well, couldn't Aaron, like some of the prophets you believed in before, be in the same position as we think Joseph Smith? And I said, no. I said, it's only the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who could appease a holy God. And so, of course, they had nothing to say because when you look into the Word, and that's what the Word says, um, then it's hard to argue with that. This is a song that um, you can hear on YouTube. I don't know if we can even play it at the end of this time here today or not, but um, uh, we sang before with uh, listening to it on YouTube. But anyway, I heard it with um, David Jeremiah's church singing this song. But is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. He is worthy. Uh, Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? And the answer is, he is.
Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Again, he perfectly completed all that was required of him. He arose, and you and I serve a risen Savior. And if you believe, you've been washed in the blood of Christ. The gospel story is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus ransomed us, and he's the one who suffered great pain and shame, bearing on the cross of Calvary uh, your sin and my sin and beaten beyond recognition. And how did he do it? He did it obediently, humbly, humbly and willingly. And I think so many times when I'm accused of doing something wrong, I'm more ready to be um, on my defense. But Christ, the Lord Jesus, went to the cross obediently, humbly and willingly. Here's a verse for us who believe. Challenge our hearts. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What did Jesus' death do for you and I? Well, it set us free from sin and Satan and death. There's no more condemnation. You and I are free to go. The Lord Jesus Christ took our place. When Jesus paid the price, our ransom, um, our debt was settled. The payment for our ransom was the right price, and it was accepted by a holy God. And if we think back in the day when Abraham Lincoln uh, set the slaves free, most of those slaves um, didn't have any thought about returning and going back to the life that they had lived before. You and I have been set free. And there's no sense in going back to this life of sin that we lived before. There are many things around the world that um, mankind can lust after and go after, but those are things that are not of God. And you and I have been set free. And we now know that the ransom's been prayed, that our debt has been settled. We have wonderful news, and I hope that as I hear stories about you sharing uh, on Friday nights here, I just trust that... um, God's word will go out and uh, many more will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in closing, let's look at who we were and what the ransom has done for us. I'm going to look up this way. We were lost and without hope, living in the pride and the lust of the world. We lived under Satan's sin and death. We were strangers to God. We were condemned by God, and we were living like slaves in prison. But God, at the right time, sent his son as promised, and Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. His sacrifice was accepted by God, and his blood poured out ransomed us. We believers are redeemed at the great cost of the ransom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, you and I have been set free. Again, referring back to what my friend said who was a Jew, we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a a wonderful, powerful testimony and we should never be ashamed of that. We should be ready to share that message because it's a message of power and, uh, and we know it. We know that that price has been paid and that message of power can work inside the heart of man 
who is, is just totally, totally been seared against God. And the Lord can change that heart of stone and can melt that heart and change it into a new heart where we see men and women that sometimes we look around. I've looked at my workplace in, um, when I used to work in defense and I've looked at people in Papua New Guinea who are sometimes hardened criminals or people who are entrenched in some cult that you think, boy, I just don't think that they could ever be saved. But we know that this powerful message by the Holy Spirit can change lives. And so it has. And we praise the Lord this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us and that he's that light within us as we take it throughout the world. It's a wonderful privilege to be ambassadors for Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we, Father, we thank you that it is truth. And we thank you for the power that is in it. And as we read the word, Father, we see how uh, it works in our own hearts to change us, Father, to make us more like your Son. Father, I pray that each one here this morning may be challenged to become more and more like your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we may leave behind the things of this world. May we be more like the Lord Jesus Christ who lived a humble, selfless life while he walked these, um, the paths of this earth. And Father, we just thank you so much for his testimony. I thank you for each one that's joined us today on... Um, online as the one, well as the ones who are here and father i just pray for each one um, that they'll be encouraged in your word and i pray that if there's one struggling father today that you would encourage and uplift that brother or sister and pray these things in the lord jesus christ's precious name amen thank you